Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Viewpoints for the first time Marcus Veerman, who's the founder and CEO of Playground Ideas, uh, a very innovative approach to education of children, I would say. But firstly, welcome to Viewpoints, uh, Marcus Veerman. Thanks, Henry. Great to be here. Yes. Now, Marcus, you... Um, you started out as a teacher. Now you were uh, a creative playground ideas uh, uh, inventor, and you've taken your ideas to many, many countries around the world. About 143, as I can see, and over 5,000 projects. Quite a fascinating journey. But um, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, how you ended up uh, in the space you are today. Yeah. So <clears throat> I initially started out in. Um in education, um, I was going to be it was either a chef or a park ranger um, initially, and then I got into education with a focus on outdoor education, which gave me the sort of park ranger sort of that edge. Did that and loved it. And I guess that the outdoor education really opened my eyes in education to the potential of um, children learning in really open-ended environments where there was. Um, you know, a degree of reality and risk and, um, you know, the children really taking responsibility for themselves in those learning spaces, which obviously the great outdoors automatically does for a child. And so I was really lucky to sort of start in that area. And then I, um, my wife got a uh, volunteer position in Thailand with an NGO. And I went over there and left an amazing um, job working in schools. I'd done outdoor education and then I actually missed a little chapter in the and then I did some design, build, learning with an amazing program called Hands on Learning, which I um, helped to get started with the founder, uh, which was like a design, build, learning course where we'd get kids out of their classes for a full day a week and get them building real big things. Like we built a straw bale and mud rendered um, workshop slash classroom at La Trobe Secondary College and did a bunch of really great uh, other practical projects for the council and other things. Then I went to Thailand. Um, and it was in Thailand that a local organisation asked me to build a playground, uh, which after two years ended up in me working with a ragtag bunch of volunteers to build 40 playgrounds for uh, many of the um, Myanmaris or the, often the minority groups that had crossed the border from Myanmar to Thailand and were in very, very impoverished schools. And we built playgrounds, uh, 40 playgrounds in two years for those schools. Um, then from there, I came back and I thought to myself, I'm a bit of an environmentalist. I, I hate waste and things like that. And I thought, what if I could take everything I'd learnt? I saw what Google was doing, putting sort of free resources online, Google Docs and Sheets and all maps and all that stuff. I thought, what if I created the Google for playgrounds and stimulating spaces? What if I allowed anyone anywhere to get access to designs and safety manuals and loose parts play manuals and and so on <clears throat> all in one place so they could build their own playground from uh, local tools and materials and with local people and in the first year that we did that we sort of had a little blog we built another 20 playgrounds so we were good about 20 playgrounds a year in thailand and that has then grown exponentially for the last um sort of 10 to 12 years we're starting to see it level off at around about 700 to a thousand uh playgrounds being built through our website every year and that's a very 
conservative number. And we also now have this thing called the Global Play Alliance, where we support, we've supported the startups of many, many small organisations like what I was doing in Thailand, but in sort of individual countries, everywhere from Vietnam to Uganda, Kenya, and other places. So that probably builds another, I don't know, few hundred playgrounds a year, I would guess, through that Global Play Alliance. So that's been a really exciting journey. And then the most recent chapter is NoodleCart. So NoodleCart is a flat-packed mobile cart about the size of a shopping trolley, which explodes into a playground. And we sell those to schools in Australia. But we also, um, all, by the way, all of this is done under a, a social enterprise charity where all the profits go to support playground ideas, to support these play-based projects. But NoodleCart, uh, we can flat pack and ship that anywhere in the world. So we've sent them to, uh, you may know, the, the little tiny landlocked country called Lesotho, which is mm. landlocked inside South Africa. Um, we're working with the NGO in Uganda. We've just got a couple of trials going on there, as well as to lots of schools in Australia. And just last year, we sent a whole bunch um, uh, with a, we were sponsored by Moose Toys, who gave us some money, and then we um, sent a noodle cart to all of the bushfire-affected schools from Malakuta, Corion, Kajua, Orbost, Buchanan, Berulin, um, which is a really amazing project for those communities that had been, you know, suffering under drought, and then they were hit by uh, fires and then floods and then COVID. So the mental health effects in those areas were shocking, and um, um, suicide rates for young people were extremely high, and we really wanted to create stimulating spaces that holistically supported children um, but also gave them really high rates of well-being and created a sort of an island of calm in their lives um, away from you know there's a lot of very stressed parents and um, yeah just a lot of hardship that had gone on in those communities and and, that, and the noodle cart creates a learning space but also in a very holistic way to, to have high rates of well-being as well so that's yeah. kind of the my journey in a nutshell an amazing journey too, and we'll, we'll, we'll have another look at it in a moment. But um, what was it about teaching that failed to keep you in the profession or what was lacking or what was there out there that offered you more than teaching Could in all those years ago, uh, Marcus? Um, it's a good question. I, 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 you know, I've, I worked in it in outdoor education, so even when I was a teacher, I always felt – I was always sort of – you know, I worked in the shed out the back with the tents and the and the you know the buses and the trailers and the canoes and stuff. I I never felt particularly welcome within a school environment because I always wanted to. I don't know. I was always wanting to be probably a little bit too creative and you know um, you know edu the education system is a juggernaut, um, but just by its nature, it's just a huge organisation and, and I found it um, hard to shift. I, I didn't really enjoy school much myself and I didn't feel like I there was a space for me to create an environment for young people, for young people like me, I guess. Um, you know, and I, I'm quite conscious of that with my own son, sort of watching his process and, you know, he struggles with a lot of things in school. Um, yeah, so it was a, that was something that I found quite hard <clears throat> was that um, – yeah, I just didn't really fit, I guess. That's that's probably why I, I left. 
It's a, yeah, it, it, it's a pity that we lose people such as yourself. Now, Noodle Cart um, significantly increases children as you talk about their creativity, STEM and 21st century skills, first principles of thinking, self-regulation, growth mindset, leadership, confidence and agency. That's quite a, a package of skills that um, mainstream education um, would argue is focused on. Uh, they 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 would argue that, but uh, um, you know one of the one of the sort of bits of wording that we came up when we were developing the noodle cart was to teach things that can't be taught, and I really I've always stuck to that idea that um, you know if you're teaching something like agency, the second that you and we're getting quite philosophical now, but the second you start teaching agency, where the teacher is in charge, you're actually you're partly taking control of that agency and losing that agency as you – am I making sense? You, mm. the, the process of teaching it can often get in the way of learning it, right? And so what we've tried to do with NoodleCard is to create a completely um, child-directed, stimulating space. Um, and what that does is it allows children to take charge, to take their own agency, to regulate themselves and to be in an environment – we, we often talk about um, another example is like, you know how psychologists use ink blot tests, you know, mm-hmm. sort of Freudian ink. I don't know if it was Freud actually, but ink blot test where you see this image which essentially has no meaning. And because humans are meaning makers, we automatically, when we see an ink blot, we want to create, is it a rabbit? Is it my, you know, uh, my father-in-law who abused me? Is it, you know, whatever. We, we want to create meaning in that and it helps to bring those subconscious drivers out that we have and i see um the noodle cart as as a tool a little bit like that the parts inside a noodle cart are not shaped like or act like any any other object in a child's life and so when they come to that cart they they automatically want to create meaning meaning from these meaningless objects and that's very very powerful for their creativity their sort of narrative storytelling so therefore their language development and a bunch of other things and all of that is happening in a very very organic randomized type of way which a teacher can then harness children's developmental stage wherever they're at that they will be demonstrating in that noodle cart area and then they can springboard it off into the curriculum so i really love the idea that instead of the teacher sitting down at the start of term defining the curriculum and defining the themes and other things they're working on, allowing children in an open-ended, loose path, meaning, de-meaningfulized environment, if you like, to show their age and stage of development, their stage of development, then the teacher can kind of assess that and can springboard off from where they're at. Because one thing we know that's a huge problem in education is this um, gap between you know, you've got kids who are right in the centre and they and they meet the curriculum. So let's say it's numeracy. You know, there are kids who are totally comfortable and they're learning really well right on the curriculum because they're in grade three and they're right at that level. But we know that there are kids who are way above and way below those levels and often they get lost. Whereas when you create an open-ended environment, the children demonstrate the skills that they have and the teacher can jump from there, which I, which I think is really powerful and sort of turns that education model um, on its head. Good point. We need to take a short break. Marcus, can you hold the line? Sure.
Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick, and I'm in a discussion with Marcus Veerman, the founder and CEO of Playground Ideas, and how we can tap into agency, creativity, and the thinking skills of children uh, with an environmentally uh, friendly set of playground building opportunities. Welcome back, Marcus. Thanks, Henry. Um, when you brought these ideas back to Australia, um, how were you received? Oh, oh, well, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I was very lucky to have a few people that could, you know, I've had uh, the same couple of people who've supported, philanthropic people who've I've built a relationship with over the years, who've supported the organisation now for, yeah, coming up to 15 years, which has been amazing. And, you know, when you really talk to people about the things that sort of set their brains on fire um, at school... You know, it's not just the curriculum, right? It's the social development that happens in the playground is a very important part of what children need to do at school and those other open-ended activities. And so um, not everybody gets it. You know, like we, um, <clears throat> the person who sort of says, oh, you know, uh, you know, if you're working in development, you know, you've got to start with food, water, shelter. And, and unless you've sorted out those kind of three issues, then there's no use doing anything else. I personally don't believe that. I mean, I spoke to the uh, the head of the uh, Department of Education in Timor, and she, after I'd sort of pitched the idea of what we were wanting to do in early childhood centres over there, we we're going to build playgrounds in 300 of those centres. She looked at what a lot of stuff she we'd done, and she actually said, "You know, I love this idea. Why don't we actually start by building play spaces?" and empowering teachers and just teach them under a tree. We always start from building the building first, and it's the most expensive thing, and yet it doesn't give almost any developmental benefit to the child. It's just a, a roof, right? So why can't we just put up a tarpaulin and start teaching these kids with great teachers in a stimulating environment first, and then we can build the building later? I mean, in East Timor, you can kind of do something like that because, you know, it's a fairly warm climate. But do you know what I mean? And I, I was like blown away. Like, so, so yeah, we've been it, the idea has been received um, really well around the world by some. You know, there's always going to be those people who sort of, you know, stick to those didactic kind of, you know, basics of you know other things. But I think that um, there's a lot of power in focusing on um, children's de development through open-ended activity and creativity. And there's a solid research base to back that up now as well. Mm. Now, now some of the topics I know that you, 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 you're quite keen or happy to talk about. Um, uh, one of them is a year of lockdown, kids in size, social skills, creativity all lacking. We need to act now and create better spaces in schools to ramp this up when kids return. So what can we do for the day when we're all back, hopefully and thankfully, uh, on site? Mm. Yeah, so, so sort of our journey over the last... Uh, you know, we launched the Noodle Cart, which is a large 130 kilogram significant educational resource for 30 children. So for a whole class, we launched that at the end of 2019 and then COVID hit start of 2020. So not the greatest time to launch a, um, a, a social enterprise that has a you know, strong ethical, environmental and charitable um, background. But Nevertheless, we've now got hundreds of those in the world. But when COVID hit, we started to think about, well, what's the next step for us? So we really scrambled in early 2020 to create something called the Noodle Cart Mini, which is a desktop-based 17.5 uh, 
um, a percent model, which fits on a desktop and a child can uh, parents can buy and, and use with their children at home as a creative toy. And we've got them everywhere from Australia to Azerbaijan. Um, but then the next stage for us was we realised we started talking, we started getting lots of inquiries from particularly um, occupational therapists who worked with children who were really struggling with um, depression and anxiety and lots of other mental health um, issues, as well as other inquiries about children on the spectrum, children with uh, ADHD and um, ADD and ADHD. I'm not sure if ADD is completely out of date now, but those kinds of um, conditions and who who immediately because they're you know they're trained in sort of um, assessment and evaluation and helping children in their lagging skills through a play-based approach so when they saw this it just fitted with their model so i've spent the last 12 months which and we've just launched this developing something called the noodle rover so the noodle carts for 30 kids the noodle mini is for one kid on the desk and the noodle rover is a small group tool specifically designed for early childhood centers um, small groups of primary schools, but also very much with occupational therapists and healthcare professionals in mind who work with small groups of children on social skills development and self-regulation and some of these other health-based things. So the Noodle Rover is a very, very compact version that you can pack up immediately and put in the just pick it up and put it in the back of your hatchback because we heard that a lot of OTs, you know, um, they might work in six or eight schools a week Right, so they needed something much more transportable uh, and manageable, and they only work with small groups. So that Noodle Rover um, is is really focused on mental health and and helping kids with those lagging skills that they're struggling with. Um, and COVID may have actually exacerbated some of those issues, particularly social skills development when kids have been locked inside without that, you know, the rub of other kids to practice thousands of hours of instead of just taking that thing from another child i might need to ask and those kinds of things noodle cart creates an environment a very creative stimulating environment for all of those types of interactions to occur and then to have someone whether it's a healthcare professional or an educator supporting those kids uh, to make good choices to self-regulate and to um and to to learn those skills to thrive into adulthood